Welcome to the Read Method Insider, a podcast for emerging and established sales professionals or anyone seeking career advancement, inspiration, or business development with personal development and high-level success strategies by sales coach, acclaimed speaker, and author of the Read Method, Everald Reed. Listen, practice, prosper. Well, folks, coming up with episode number... 82 of the Read Method Insider podcast. And uh, this is a pretty interesting show, I can I can tell you. Um, I don't think we've ever dived this deep into uh, B2B sales and the technology behind scaling business in B2B sales. And we have an expert standing by to join us momentarily. As we dive into episode 82 of the Read Method show, and this episode is going to be about incorporating sales to scale your business. Our guest for this episode today is the managing partner at Ad10. And I like that title, by the way, Ad10. I'd like to add multiple zeros, actually, but we'll start with adding one at a time. So he's the managing partner at Ad10, where his team provides lead to close sales execution for B2B tech companies ready to scale from six to seven digits of revenue. Throughout his career, he has closed almost $40 million in deals, averaging over 150K. He has deep roots or is deep-rooted expertise in selling software and services and has helped several companies grow and scale into mid-seven figures. He's also a host of major accomplishments. He hosts approximately 200 episodes on the Gun iOS, the Frontier podcast, featuring professionals across software engineering leadership spectrum. His professional uh, professional services also includes uh, as a, being as a developer, a publisher, and as he's uh, facilitated a lot in startup as well as entrepreneurship. And this is why we're inviting Ledge on the show with us today with his expertise expertise on how to incorporate sales in your business. Welcome to the show, Ledge. It's good to be here. Thank you, everyone. You know, the, your your intro is like a tongue twister with all the big words and I uh, I get picked up for my vocabulary. I know I need to I need to make it more simple, right? So, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I uh, I like to be an academic, maybe too much. So <laughs> yeah, I'm like I'm a simple guy. I mean, advertising sales and car sales, and, and here I am now. <laughs> you know, dive in a bit, but this is how you learn. So I have. Uh, no issues with this. I, I love the fact that I can learn new things with this podcast. And that's one of the great things of running, a, of having a podcast. You meet interesting people like yourself. It is. Yeah, I, I, uh, I interview folks. Uh, we actually have a new one. It's called Leaders of B2B. So we spend a lot of time with B2B uh, technology professionals there. And uh, I go on podcasts all the time. So I think it's a, it's a great vehicle. Well, I did listen to your B2B uh, podcast and I thought it was quite interesting, actually. And I've also checked out some of your videos on your YouTube channel and uh, which we'll definitely share with the audience uh, today and how to reach you. But uh, very, very cool things I learned. And, uh, you know, some things, you know, but then when you hear a second or third time, um, you, you know, you pick up on different perspectives and like, yeah, it works there, too. So that's pretty cool. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I think there are some fundamental truths and, you know, different things in different sectors kind of change and maybe different verticals of, you know, uh, 
areas that we sell in, you know, people, car sales versus, you know, B2B versus B2C, you know, the whole thing. But I believe there are some just fundamental, you know, sort of good rapport building types of tools that are common to, to all of us in the sales seat. So, so your career path is pretty interesting. And I know there's a lot that I left out in the intro and um, that would best summarize you and what led you to this specialty niche market of helping tech companies to scale by incorporating sales strategies. So what led you down this path? Yeah, I was a, a technologist and an operator and I worked through, you know, being a coder and all types of different things. And I always had an interest in being an entrepreneur. So I started some businesses about 14 years ago and I really just, I, I don't know that I was ever interested in sales. I just never really knew sales was a thing. You know, I sort of just thought that uh, naively, right? And, and I'm sure other founders can relate to this. You know, it's just, if we build it, they will come, you know, type of sales and marketing. And it turns out that you can build it and they don't come. <laughs> so you have to go tell people about what you're doing. And, uh, you know, the real story is that, you know, I, I learned to sell because I had to, and I had hired a bunch of people. And so here we are, you know, eight sort of consultant practitioners in a room and nobody's selling anything. And, uh, you know, so I had to start to, to go out to do that. And it turned out that I was, you know, successful at, at making people money. So I turned my attention to doing business development and I worked through technology and then services. So services now being the main area. So we, we think of it as uh, technology enabled services companies. Yeah, that's pretty interesting where, mm -hmm. you know, you always have the great minds and the, cre the creative minds who, and the great innovators of technology and services and all these different, you know, tools and that we've high tech stuff that we, we, we see like literally on a daily hourly basis now with, new, new, new technology coming on board, but you always like, how do you actually sell that stuff? You know, how, how does it actually go to market? What do you do? How do you make it actually happen? And I, I'm actually in the, in the midst of doing a, of a startup myself too, but from coming from a sales background, all I can think about is selling sometimes, yeah, right, right. you know, but, um, but absolutely. So what fascinates you about B2B sales? Um, in, in this world that we're in right now? Is it the, is it partnerships? Is it sales cycles? What is it? Well, I like B2B because the ticket size is large, you know, <laughs> I, mean, I think that, you know, it, uh, so when we think about, um, uh, you know, if you want to go sell something, sell something that has a big sticker, um, uh, you know, I think that's, that's pretty much universal. Right. And then nothing wrong with thinking big. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, yeah, I, I think what we like to do is work with founders. So, you know, our, our sort of the passion behind the business is that, you know, any founder we work with never has to worry about cash flow again, because I've been that founder trying to figure out how to make payroll, you know, next, the coming Friday and, and just stressing money all the time. And I, I have a theory that you know, nobody wakes up in the middle of the night, sort of looking at the ceiling, sweating about their business, about anything more than, you know, or other than let's make more sales. You know, how do I make more sales? Um, so my, my passion area, I guess in there and why I, 
I'm fascinated by the idea that uh, top line growth really kind of cures or at least, uh, you know, takes care of a lot of the ills of, of business. Right. So, yes. um, and founders can, can really be great practitioners and operators or can really focus on sales. And you know, I kind of think it, it splits. There's a, there's a fork in the road at a certain point in a services business where you have grown it as much as you can as a founder. And you're either going to have to get somebody to help you with sales, or you're going to have to get somebody to help you run the company. You know, you really, when you can't do all the things anymore, our interest is the people that they don't want to sell. They want to be practitioner operators. They want to run their company. They want to be a CEO and get out of the, the sales seat. And they face a challenge at that point of how to fill the sales seat if they don't do it. Um, you can go try to hire a VP of sales or or an inside salesperson or what have you at that point. Uh, but you're unskilled to do that. You've never done that before. So I think you need a sales program at that point. So then you can hire any number of consultants or folks who are going to help you build the thing, but you still don't want to do the thing. Yeah. Uh, so our idea was we like to do the thing. We like closing <laughs> deals. We like being on calls. That's what we do. We're closers. And we need revenue programs and operations. So we'll build all that stuff and we'll close deals. And then the founder that doesn't want to be in that seat anymore and who just wants to think about running the business and growing staff and you know delivering excellent quality services and product can do all those things and we'll take care of uh, revenue you know, for them, which is really important because it's the fuel that that goes with everything else. Well, absolutely. I mean, you can have all the great minds in the world, but if there's no sales, you're going to have some issues. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Eventually, you know, all that startup money will, uh, you'll run out of runway, so to speak. Absolutely. Yeah. And I believe in bootstrapping. So we resonate a lot with bootstrappers, not that we're against people getting, you know, investor funding, but, um, you know, if you've bootstrapped your service company up to the point where you're doing nice half million dollars in revenue a year, that's fantastic. You're mm-hmm. already better than like 99% of people that ever tried to make a business. Um, if you then want to go to 5 million, you're probably going to have to build a, a fundamentally different structure and business to, to scale. To so scale. Yeah. we're looking for operations where and, and founders where they want to scale past that point. So super selective and, and niche. Um, so I may know, have it, to call you in a couple of years. Well, I hope so. You know, <laughs> it is a thing that I wish for everybody. And if if you aren't there yet and anybody's listening, you know, it it's uh keep hustling to get that go to market and you know build that initial kind of groundswell of, of business. And if you start to plateau, you know, at that quarter million to half million type of range, well, it means you've done something successful. You've gone to market, you've validated some service that is necessary and you're getting paid enough money. Uh, now you can look to look scale, but scaling is totally different. You know, the business that you have to build to get from half million to 5 million is, is what we do. And it's a different business than you built to get to half a million in the first place. And um, you know, God willing, you're able to get from, you know, 5 million to 50. That's a totally different business that um, I don't pretend to know how to build. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, I think that's, 
we just want to add one zero and it's the one between the sixes and the sevens. You know, that's such an interesting title, you know, add one zero. I mean, many of us, uh, you know, I don't know anybody who wouldn't like to add one zero, at least initially. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> right. And, uh, you know, I won't be bold and say we're going to add two. We're just going to add one. It's going to be between that half million and five million type of jump there. Get that 10x. Mm-hmm. And that's the 10x that we know how to do. And I, uh, you know, I like specialize. to focus on that. That is our specialization. No, that's cool. So with the current times that we're in with the pandemic, mm-hmm. uh, you know, where that's a main subject worldwide, how does a company lay out the groundwork for scaling and incorporating sales, especially when they had, you know, all the major decisions to make during the last year, you think? Well, that's the nature of, um, you know, when I, say, when I talk about tech enabled, now you have to have a certain, you know, sort of basic stack of, of software in place. Uh, we like to companies that are using, for example, like Slack, Google Workplace, yeah. um, some kind of knowledge management tool, we like Confluence from Atlassian and Zoom. And, you know, they sort of, there's this collection of tools that you have to use. A CRM, we like HubSpot for that. Um, so the way that you build a program, the way that you plan and build in sales is 80% operations and technology. Uh, yes, you need someone like me or like one of our, you know, sort of reps on the calls. And it looks just like this, just like we are in a video, you know, and that's how we, that's how we sell. Um, but don't kid yourself. You know, you have a lot of stuff to build sales mm-hmm. enablement materials, you know, just all kinds of work. It's months of work to build out a revenue program that you can execute in a scalable way. And that's really where we spend most of our time. The, the sexy part is you know, people on calls that are closing deals, but that is really just the actor in the play. You know, I, I look at it that way, like go to a Broadway show, right? Like you get somebody in the spotlight and they're great and they get all the attention. Uh, but think of all the operations that goes into running a theater and putting a show on and repeating a production and, you know, all the things necessary to get the audience there. Um, that's the real work. Yeah, of revenue. The rest of us who get to close, we're just lucky that we get put in front of the the camera now. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. You know, you always wonder about those big events and how they're pulled off. And it's, you know, it's the behind the scenes for sure. Mm -hmm. But uh, so there are many uh, factors, multiple factors that contribute to the success of a company, especially those at the at the fork Mm-hmm. Uh, so to speak, uh, you know, designing how to scale and to make their strate- strategic pivot. So today with the competition and technology, um, you need revolutionary ideas. You need the right people. Um, you know, you need the right people on the bus, according to Jim Collins, putting That's the right, right people on right. the bus. And, uh, but is that enough? Um, or some companies are finding that may not even be enough. So what do you think is missing from companies like this? It, it is definitely not enough to have a great idea and great people. It's all about, yeah, I mean, you can say it a hundred times over. It's all about execution. So, and, um, you know, I, I really think that, that's sometimes what what gets missed. So yeah, you can deliver a great thing. Uh, you have a great idea, uh, but 
it's the blocking and tackling of everyday work to get or even the technology there. you can have the ideas sure. the technology um but not you know the practical application it's really easy to build software nobody wants you can build beautiful <laughs> beautiful software that solves a problem that has no market viability i see that all the, all time. the time um and people that you know want to offer a, a service solution for lots of money and there's just not enough demand for it yeah. you know so the number one thing that we're going to come in and do is just try to see if we can position and package whatever it is that that a company offers so that it's a really compelling and easy sale. And that's, it's not often the easiest thing to do. So we have to just look at it and say, why do people actually buy this? Maybe even okay. study the existing customers and say, you know, why, why did you purchase this thing? You know, if you have happy customers, they bought it and they stick with you for a reason. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people never even talk to their existing customers and find out what the buying pattern was to, to get to that. To get to that point, yeah. Um, if you've been overly discounting to get whatever revenue you could to come in the door, are those even good clients? So we have to watch out for that a lot, that folks are uh, you know, bringing in anybody who pay kind of thing <laughs> and uh, don't like that. You know, so we want to make sure that these are you know, a plus clients that you want to bring in more of. So we'll also so, do that. With all that said, how about the people? Like, what do you do with the people on a team? You know, when you go into an organization, because I find that this is a, a lot of where companies mm -hmm. uh, drop the ball. You, you want to scale, you want to make the, these pivots, you want to get into, you know, into, into selling so that you can scale or you can take things to the next level. But um, what about investing in people? Because this is where I think some companies, uh, they, they say, sure, here's the technology. Here's the, the, the next best software. Here's the next best, you know, you know, communications uh, system. But people are just not moved. They're, they're not motivated. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, there's a lot to unpack, right? About how do you build a, a culture in a mm -hmm. company and how do you scale a culture? Um, once you get past those initial, you know, friends or founders that you began a company with and you start adding, you know, third parties to the mix who really kind of aren't related to you and you realize, how do I communicate to these people all the things that I take for granted as to, you know, where culture and values come from. And I think the real answer to that is, you know, you have to spend the dedicated time to write it down and have the the difficult conversations about why are we here and what are the core values of this company. And it's, I don't know, mission statements and such, you know, whatever tool you want to use there, have you written down a way to communicate what those objectives should be? How do we how do we value and think about things as a company? Um, it's a critical error to miss not communicating that. And, and you see this hyper growth sort of ideas. We hire people so fast. We're growing so fast. Many, many times that's maybe not the best path yeah. because yeah. you you just can't bring people up to speed that fast. So that fast. Yeah. Um, deliberate growth and being careful with growth is probably the better way to make a profitable 
long-term venture anyways. Yeah. And, and that's why I don't resonate so much with the, you know, raise a bunch of money and lose a bunch of money and grow really fast. And, you know, it's just not my, my particular area, you know, become a unicorn and all this business. So I'd like to make uh, profitable businesses that are of reasonable, you know, seven figure scale. Mm-hmm. And after that, it, I, I lose my interest. So let's go back. <laughs> let's go. Beginning. I can start over. Yeah. Yeah. Let's go help another one. Yeah, um, absolutely. So let's, let's simplify it here for a little bit now. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as selling is concerned, um, many are not successful in sales because they're afraid of the word no. And I watched one of your YouTube videos and I'm like, <laughs> I can't believe I'm listening to this again, but it's so true. Right. And so so why should sales teams, even in B2B sales or B2B for that matter, embrace? No, a little two letter word. Because if somebody is going to buy a thing, you want to know that right away. You know, I I mean, I I appreciate I get argued with about this point. You know, I I appreciate that people want to nurture the pipeline and keep deals alive, um, you know, and all, all that business. I, I just, I want to focus that in as tight as we can at the beginning. And if it's a good buy sign right now, then let's get the yes or let's get the no and clear the pipe out. You know, I just think there's too much, you know, cognitive waste in the pipeline, you know, and, and I say that because let's just get somebody to say yes or no now. And if they say no, great. It just cleared a spot on my calendar so that I can get another potential. Yes. And our, our number one metric that we look at is, is call to close ratio. We want to do calls and we want to close deals and the best approaches maybe 30%, which means like, you're kind of like baseball players, you know, like that when you, you're going to strike out seven out of 10 times. And what you'd like to do is get that over with. So you yeah. can get your, so you can bat 300. And a, and at, a 300 hitter makes tens of millions of dollars. So it's a fine line. Yeah, absolutely. Right. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's sort of like, well, if you're batting 200, that's not great, but you still have a job. You're still on the team. Yeah. You'll, right. You'll you didn't get spot. cut. Yeah. Yeah. So um, that just, I think it's, at least in our area of business, it seems to track pretty, pretty closely to that. So get the nose because they get your calendar cleared up. They clear out your pipeline. Um, I tell you the worst thing I see is these bunchy pipelines with there's some kind of nurture stage. There's always a nurture stage in the middle. And you know what that is? We call that the black hole because as soon as a deal gets dropped into the nurture stage, Nobody does anything until it just becomes this huge pile of nothing. So we want to clear that out and we want to say, what are the good mechanisms that ought to happen if somebody says not right now, next quarter? Mm-hmm. Cool. Let's let's program something up there. But in my mind, you lost that deal. That deal is lost. There may be a future deal. Get it out of your pipeline. Stop wasting your brain space on that. You got the no. Now set yourself up in some kind of automated fashion or a task or some emails are going to be sent or get them back on your drip list or whatever that is, but get that off the board. You know, your board should be about closing real deals. You see, and and this is where a lot of salespeople um, falter, uh, whether in B2B or B2C, because they, 
they embrace no as a negative as opposed to an opportunity to the to get to the next sale you know um just like your analogy about the batter you know you know you know you're going to strike out seven out of ten times but you still have to be prepared to make your best pitch i mean or your best swing Mm -hmm. right yeah Uh, every time because if you don't it's such a fine line that you could easily drop to a 200 hitter yeah (laughs) if you don't well we confuse ourselves that you know, if I, oh, if I just nurture this one, I'll, you know, it's, it's good, but I just think it's a waste of time. Like inside sales, we should be on more calls doing more repetition. You know, yeah. it's like, it's like batting practice, right? The more you give your pitch, the better it's going to be. And that's also why I go on podcasts, you know, because I have to explain over and over and over again and justify the positioning of what we do. So I think the more reps that you get, the better. And why do I want to like not be able to pitch my thing? Cause I'm nurturing in a cow. I just don't believe it. I, I know a lot of people fight me yeah. back on this. But. Well, it's, it's an interesting perspective and this is why we have shows, <laughs> right. right? We right, have different right. ideas uh-huh. and uh, that can be applied to different sectors and different, you know, companies. Uh, and the other thing that I want to uh, touch on with you is you, you talk about sales goals and, they make no sense in, in small companies. <laughs> Why do you think not having sales goals in a, in small companies makes is is better? Not having sales goals. Yeah, that, that's another controversial one that people pick on me for that video. And, and that's why it's interesting to talk yeah, about, right? Right, right. <laughs> you know why? Because, and this this is specific, I'm not saying that sales goals aren't a real thing for larger sales teams and, you know, maybe larger companies. I, I don't know. I don't live in that world. But we are dealing with companies where, again, it's a service company, half million to a couple million dollars of, of sales very often it gets to the next stage of, you know, so they're trying to, you know, the management team is trying to put together the pro forma for the next year. So here's our, here's our PNL. And what I have just found is the sales goals are derived from here's how much money we're going to spend. And then you have to sort of reverse justify your spending plan by deciding that we need enough sales to fill up the money that we intend to spend and pay out. So that's not a goal. That's a derivation, right? So in that sense, it's just justifying the wild guess that you put on your profit and loss pro forma, you know, so that's where I don't think that's valuable. Now, our goal, I can tell you for sales is, is easy. We want to close all the deals and get all the money. Okay. And we will never, never stop until we reach that goal. Now, will we ever reach that goal? No, <laughs> we, we will not bat a thousand, nor will any, uh, like we talk about with the baseball. Players. So let's get that out of the way right off the bat. No, you're not going to, but is it our objective there? So why am I going to have sales meetings every week? And let's talk about our goals and all this. Like we want to close all the deals always, you know, and I just think it's a waste of time to think, Otherwise, you know, so we'll do our best against that, that wild goal and we will not hit it, uh, but we'll probably do better than setting some arbitrary, you know, I don't know, we're going to do 250 grand this quarter because that almost gives us the opportunity to not be as diligent once we reach goal. Oh, yay, we hit our goal. <laughs> Let's take a day off. I, I don't, I don't <laughs> think that that's 
worthwhile. So I just, I don't know. Yeah. So goals that are used as a justification for future spending obligations don't make any sense to me. And, and the vast majority of the conversations at our size of business and client seems to go that direction. So hence, I have decided that uh, I think sales goals are stupid. So. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so let's talk about another. I mean, we might as well do three out of three <laughs> since we're, while we're at it. Um, no sale Friday or not making sales calls on Fridays. Oh, no call Friday. No yeah. call Fridays. So, yeah, I don't know. You know, I just, uh, because I have to run a company and I need to, you know, sort of have strategic time blocked and, uh, you know, I, I could easily spend every single minute of every day on a Zoom call trying to, to make deals and get things to happen. And it burns you out. You know, it'd be from pre pandemic when we we're, you know, doing tons of Zooms, it was hard. And I just, I decided at some point that this was unsustainable. And I, I didn't come up with this idea. I think by, uh, I don't know, I read it somewhere, but I, I worked to try to implement uh, where I block all, all day Friday to do my heads down strategic thinking kind of work mm-hmm. where, you know, I actually get to work on strategically valid uh, things that really come back and, and pay off. And so it's, uh, it's kind of like the important, not urgent uh, type of distinction. And I let it slide after the first time I fully implemented it. I started booking out my Fridays. I said, oh, I just need that time. I got to do those calls. <laughs> and I did it to myself again and I was miserable. So I just, I just sort of got back on the no call Friday bandwagon. Having, having had that actual, that video I made about it popped up in my feed, in my own feed, my own video yelling at me. And I'm saying, <laughs> man, I'm not even being true to this thing that I, uh, I put out there and told everybody else to do. So I, I reconfigured about it. So the worst thing is to make a strong statement, you know, and then uh, get it thrown back in your face that, that you're not being consistent. Uh, <laughs> there's a psychological hook about that. So. Yeah. And, 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 the, and, and sometimes that's what you need. You know, you need sometimes a taste of your own medicine, so to speak. Right. Yeah. This bald guy popped up in my feed and told me that uh, <laughs> I should have no call Fridays. And it, it sounded familiar. So. Or, 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 you know, or as the saying goes, practice what, what you preach. You know, but yeah. I mean, we try. We try as much <laughs> we as we do can. try. It's still a good idea for everybody else, even if I fail. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, at least you have uh, a sense of humor about it. That's for sure. So, well, you have to, you know. <laughs> uh, absolutely. So, folks, we've been uh, on this uh, journey here with uh, episode through episode thirty-two with Ledge, uh, David Ledgerwood, uh, famously known as Ledge. I like I like the name. Pretty cool. And uh, as we discuss how to incorporate sales in your B2B business or in your, uh, to say incorporating sales to scale your business. And he's a specialist in scaling business, uh, from six to seven figures, you know, adding that one zero, according to him. Uh, and, and I love the name of his company, add one zero. So that's, that's, that's like a, a great philosophy. Let's add one zero, you know, and we'll keep adding unless it's to our debt. Then let's uh, not do that. Yeah, let's not do that. No, <laughs> <laughs> then we got an issue. Um, so, if you were to sum up, you know, two or three things that you wanted to share with uh, some companies today that are in that that are your ideal client, those who are, you know, startups and 
you know, who are looking, who, who, who are, you know, a couple hundred thousand dollars in sales and are looking to get up to the half a million, a million or two, but are not sure. And, you know, the owner is sitting there, well, it's like, if I, if I give this up, then this is going to suffer. Or if I take on a sales team, how am I going to manage them? What, what are two or three things you would share with us uh, before we, before we go? If, if you're that founder and you have successfully gotten your business to that, you know, sort of half million ish kind of spot, uh, you're probably feeling good and you should, cause you've done a really good job, you know, up to that point. If you see that your sales are plateauing, you're not growing, uh, you've probably, uh, run out, you know, the value of your referral and partner network, you need to be thinking about, you know, sort of developing other channels of sales. That's typically where things stall out. And, and just be honest with yourself. Like if you love doing sales, then hire and bring in an operator. You can't do all the things. I'm not going to tell you which thing you should or shouldn't do. Yeah. But if you want to run your business and you want to be CEO and, you know, worry about all the things and be the integrator um, then you do need someone to take over sales because your sales will suffer as you take your eyes off the ball. And that is where things are going to plateau. And people may tell you, well, you need a sales coach or a consultant, or you should hire an SDR or, you know, all these things. And I can tell you that those approaches or hire a few sales, you're too young to do that. You don't have enough money. You don't have a program. That person will be plugged in and they won't know what to do because they're not inside your head. So, um, you know, the biggest thing at that point is at least consider your options. I was dissatisfied that there was not an option to do what amounts to a, a fractional, you know, sort of revenue, uh, division. And that's kind of what we do there. So you don't need a VP of sales. You don't need, you know, sort of an SDR or, or consultant, a coach. Like if you don't want to be in that seat at all, there is a solution for that. So just, just think about where you want to be. If you want to be in sales, awesome. Do sales and hire an operator. If you want to not be in sales, I do not recommend you hire full-time sales folks. Instead, you could think about a solution like, like we provide. So it's very specific to, you know, scaling up a, a services, a tech enabled services company. So, um, if you find yourself all the time, you can't scale and grow because you are customizing every deal Every scope you put out is different. That is not a good selling point once you get to the point of, of where you're at in that half million kind of mark. So to get there, you were probably willing to customize. You were willing to put out custom deals and do what you got to do to get the revenue. Now it's time to standardize. So okay. you got to package your stuff up so that you can sell it and deliver it in a scalable fashion. So I like that. Yeah. Initially customizing and you know mm -hmm. doing things on a case by case basis and you get to a point and now you need to standardize. You do. Yeah. You can't scale it anymore. Um, so for a long time, people will tell you, Oh, it's great. You know, we customize for every customer and it's, uh, it's, you know, one of our differentiating points is we're not cookie cutter and you know, all <laughs> these things. Right. And like, you can get away with that for, for a while, while yeah. but you will end up, causing yourself all kinds of headaches and it doesn't scale because, you know, if think of the other one, right? If I say we have package ABC and we have agreed on package ABC, we can acute 
we can take care of all the valuable things that we need to do within those maybe 80% of the things we needed to do. 10% of the things that we need to do are not on the packages, but they can be add-ons. It's just like at a restaurant, you got your entrees and you got your add-ons, your side items. Then there's the special stuff that's the other 10%. And we can charge a lot of money for those special things. But if we can account for all those things, imagine how much better it is to go to your operators, your delivery people, your customer success people, and say, here's a new customer. They're on package B. Uh-huh. Go. I don't have, you don't have to read the statement of work. You don't have to do anything. They're on package, package B. B. Instead of, uh-oh, Ledgewind did something again and we don't know what it is. So everybody get the statement of work out and everybody read it. Now this one's different and it slows down. Support becomes a nightmare. You can't scale it. You can't scale customer success. Delivery is different for every client. That only works in the early stage where you don't have so much to do. So that's a huge one. Standardizing packages is number one thing that we do when we come into a company and yeah, we're like able to that. raise the price too. Yeah. So. No, I like that because uh, that, that's pretty much uh, I'm involved in a startup right now that is pretty similar. And yeah, we, we have standard, we've customized or and standardized packages and are pretty much uh, sticking to that for the most part. But, you know, occasionally you, 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 you know, bend the rules a little bit, but I, you know, you're right. I certainly don't want to be like, changing dramatically for one or two clients because it takes it's so time consuming yeah if you you can when i think of the bend the rules part that's that last 10 percent. so it's an 80 10 10 yeah right you know like if you have standard add-ons and things that you should sell for a standard price that's okay now that last 10 percent where you deviate what's basically happening there is a customer walks in the door and they have a lot of money mm-hmm. and they say i want a thing that yeah. you don't do. Yeah. And then you can say, okay, you have a lot of money. I'm willing and able to do that thing. I'm going to charge you a lot of money for it. And then that customer just basically financed the ability of your company to add a new service or product, which you can add into one of your packages because now they paid to develop it. But you, it. Ought, you have to charge enough money at that point. If you're doing custom special things and you're not charging a lot of money for them, yeah, it's the wrong path. It's the wrong path. Yeah. And then that will cost your business money overall if you don't. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. You have, you have no, to finance that. that. Uh, yeah, absolutely. If you want to, if you want customization, uh, customization is, is time and effort and money and it, it distracts you from the norm. So absolutely. That's something you should pay for. Uh, so. Ledge, how does the audience uh, find you? I mean, I found you uh, everywhere, but <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm how glad content marketing pays off, right? Yeah. Um, anybody that wants to talk to me directly, always happy to talk to um, you know entrepreneurs and such. I'm I'm on LinkedIn, David Ledge Ledgerwood, easy to find. Um, always all kinds of stuff in my feed with videos and. Uh, you know, posts and our blog and the whole thing. If you want to talk to our company, which would also be scheduling with me anyway, because I do all the calls, then uh, it's add one zero. Uh, so it's ADD numeral one Z-E-R-O dot C-O, not dot com dot C-O. Yeah, I love the name of the company, add one zero. So oh, thank you. We're looking to add one zero uh, <laughs> sure, um, this year. So 
I, I uh, wish I wish you this. excellent zeros. 10X. I, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, well, folks, we love having uh, you on the show, um, listening to the show, watching. And if you ever want to join us on the Read Method Insider podcast, feel free to send us an email at insider at the readmethod.com. We love having great guests like Ledge here to share expertise and all sorts of different aspects of sales and business success. And today was no different as we talked about incorporating sales to scale your business uh, to the next level, adding one zero. I mean, the, the, the name alone says, says it all, uh, how to scale by adding another zero to your uh, annual income or revenue. So please subscribe and download. Uh, we're on iTunes, SoundCloud, or wherever your favorite podcast app is. Don't forget, while you're there, leave us a review. Uh, it really helps us to spread the word and to share the expertise that we receive from our special guests like Ledge today, Tom Hopkins, Les Brown, Todd Stottlemyre. Uh, speaking of uh, a picture we were talking about basketball, right. baseball, yeah. we had three-time World Series champion on here uh, two or three times. Uh, Steven Benson of Badger Maps out of San Francisco. He's another great sales mind and many more. So, and always remember folks, uh, for 2021, uh, please be thoughtful, be intentional, and be safe. And let's go out there and add one zero <laughs> while we're at it too. <laughs> Thanks everyone. Look forward to our next episode with you. For more information, please visit us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, or www.thereadmethod.com.